we are finishing a series today on how to live on purpose. And the, the simple concept is we'll all end up somewhere at the end of this year. I'm talking about in life, your relationship, your relationship with God, with others, your finances. We've spoken to a whole lot of issues. And God wants you to finish the year well. I have a great excitement about coming to the end of this year, but also what God wants to do in your life, in our life, in the life of this church in 2023. And the Bible says where there is no prophetic vision, it's not just any old vision that you kind of pull off the shelf. This is God speaking into your life. This is the Holy Spirit prompting something in your life. Where there's no prophetic vision, people dwell carelessly or cast off restraint. And an anchoring saying is something that Craig Rochelle said, that everybody ends up somewhere but not everybody ends up somewhere on purpose. And this is about after the clutter and the chaos of COVID of saying, I need to live with purpose and regather certain things and put some other things in place, maybe restore some things or put them in place for the first time. And so this morning, as I said, I'm building on a, well, it was a great message last week by Pastor Rebecca Proud on how to win the war in your mind. And I just feel to build on that a little bit more. Proverbs 4 verse 23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for out of it flow the issues of life. The Good News Translation puts it this way. Be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. Be careful how you think. What goes on in your heart? What goes on in your mind? Because your life is shaped by your thoughts. And long before psychology identified it, God identifies in His Word, and I love the wisdom of God's Word, that just confirms things we discover in our modern age, that God says what goes on in your head, what goes on in your heart, because there's a connection between heart and head in what you reflect on, determines the course of your life. Well, what is in your thoughts if you, they dominate your thoughts, good, bad or otherwise, will actually eventually come out in your behaviour, in your actions, in your attitudes. Research shows that most people speak at the rate of 150 to 200 words a minute. There are some people in my life that I think speak at a higher rate, but we won't mention names. Pray for me. But the internal dialogue that you carry on, your self-talk, is at about 1,300 words a minute. And there's always a conversation going on in your head, yeah, engaging with every single word I'm saying, but also you having a whole lot of other things going on in your head that is self-talk. And, and some of it is benign. Some of it is you're trying to work out which restaurant you're going to or, or I forgot to pull meat out of the freezer. So honey, we're going out or whatever, you know, kind of thing, Sam. Um, and, <laughs> and just, but, but there's a conversation going on. And right now there's a conversation going on in some of our minds that is actually quite negative. You see, Meditation has taken on a kind of negative concept because of new age things. But it's actually a biblical concept to meditate. And, I, and I'll identify just briefly the differences in a moment between new age meditation and biblical meditation. 
But whether you like it or not, or acknowledge it or not, we all meditate every single day. We meditate on our thoughts. And much of our meditation for many of us is meditation on things of fear, on things of failure, on negative things, on things of guilt and I ought to, I should have. And that conversation of broken relationships, the meditation that goes on around that, your mind churns that over and over and over again. So we all meditate. But biblically, God says, now I want you to start shifting your thoughts and that you begin to meditate on my word, my promises, my character, my nature. Because the problem with our self-talk, those 1,300 words a minute that are swirling through our brains, is that often we are so self-critical, we're continually putting ourselves down. Now, there's a place to evaluate your behaviour. And that's when the Bible says if you discover there's something wrong, well, then you go to God and confess it. You acknowledge it. But a lot of the self-talk just churns over the same things, the same failures, the same fears, the same negative image, the same negative problems without ever bringing a solution to it. And we end up being our own worst critics. The worst conversations that anybody has had about you is you. You have said meaner things to yourself than anybody else has probably ever said to you in your self-talk. Job, in Job 9 and verse 20 says, everything I say seems to condemn me. And he's in a struggle and his world's being turned upside down. And there's chaos there. And everything comes a negative conversation. And he says, no matter what I seem to say, it's something negative about myself. I'm not good enough. I'm not capable enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not handsome enough. I don't have enough hair. I I just felt I needed to make you smile a little bit at my expense. I'm not holy enough. Why would God bless me? When really our righteousness is found in Christ and He completes and perfects us. And we live out of that, not trying to aspire to it. In, in um, New Age Meditation, the whole idea is to empty your mind and it's unbiblical and it's ungodly. But biblical meditation is not to empty your mind, but rather to fill your mind with God's Word, God's promises, God's character, a revelation of who you are in Christ. And it's focusing on that. It's not the emptying of your mind, but actually the filling of it. Because you'll never get rid of the negative and the critical meditation, unless you replace it with something powerful and positive, the authority of God's Word over your life. There's a great prayer that the psalmist David prays in Psalm 19 and verse 14. May the words of my mouth and this meditation, and the word there is muttering. I'll come to that in a moment. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, 
Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And I want you to notice what David is doing here. The, the, the meditation is the muttering, the, the, the conversation, the words that have been spoken are in your head and maybe even out of your mouth at times about your circumstance. And he's saying, God, examine this and, and change it. Let it be something positive. Let it be something powerful. Let it be something that transforms. Let it be something where I focus on you as my rock and my redeemer, not on my failure and negativity. And again, I want stress. If you have failed, if you have sinned, well, confess it. But then God wants you to move on and not reliving the same thing over and over and over and over again. Because that's the enemy building a stronghold, locking you into something. And your life and my life will always move in the direction of our strongest thoughts. And so as Pastor Rebecca identified last week, and I'm gonna read the same passage, there's a battlefield going on in our minds. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10, and we're gonna read verse four and five, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. There's so much in those few verses and I'm gonna pull out one or two phrases just to help us establish certain things. But he's describing this incredible battle that goes on in our minds. And it starts with high thoughts that oppose the knowledge of God. And every one of us has had these high thoughts, this thought that the enemy sows. And unless you reject it, you see, having the thought initially is not the problem. The enemy had access to the mind of Jesus to drop thoughts in, to have a conversation. But Jesus rebuked it every single time with the authority of God's Word. It's not that the thought came in, it's that we entertained it. We started meditating on it. We started reflecting on it. We started letting it churn over in our minds. And so what becomes a high thought that opposes who God is and what God says about you suddenly gets some traction and eventually becomes a stronghold. Most of life's battles are won or lost in your mind. It's not the only thing that will determine success, victory, overcoming the blessing of God in your life. But if you don't win the battle in your mind, you and I will always be struggling to step into all that God has for us. Most of life's battles are won or lost in the mind. The word stronghold literally describes a military fortress And that's why I was praying early and expecting that for some of us, God by His Spirit today and by His Word is gonna lay siege and shatter some of the strongholds of the enemy in your mind. Things that have just got locked in your thinking and you know the cycle of despair, the cycle of frustration, the cycle of fear that goes on in your heart, in your head. And I'm believing that as you identify that by the power of His Spirit, by the power of God's Word, there's gonna be breakthrough for you. See, the enemy, one thought at a time, builds this fortress. And each thought, each churning over that negative thing becomes another boulder, another rock in the fortress that he's trying to establish. And he does it with this thing called arguments. 
arguments. We demolish arguments. The, the Greek word there is logismos. And I just want to expand on this just a little bit because it's such a powerful thing if you and I get a hold of it. Logismos, it literally comes out of Greek philosophy and the schools of philosophy which would debate viewpoints on life. And the logismos is an argument of reason by which you seek to demolish somebody else's belief system. So these debating schools would put forward a proposition, then go away and prepare a logismos, an argument of reason to demolish the other person's point of view. And that's what Paul says, there's the battle. And let me explain how it starts. The argument of reason. I'll just share a little personal. This happened many years ago and I've had to keep fighting this battle over and over again. We're going through a really tough time at the North Shore Church we led there and pioneered. And I was sitting in my office looking down a valley and this thought popped into my mind of another pastor that I knew and regarded and respected. And his name popped in. I thought, what a great teacher he is. And immediately what followed was this whisper, and you're not. And then a little bit later, Another person popped in my mind. I thought, what a great evangelist that person is. And then the whisper came, and you're not. And then there were one or two others who I consider great leaders. And they came into mind. And again, there was the positive, the affirmation. What great leaders though. And then the whisper, and you're not. Now, I'm not saying that I should have said, well, I'm as good or better than them. That's not the thing. But there was an argument. These people were those things. It was the afterthought where the enemy's seeding something. And I'm sure you can identify with something in your own thinking that is similar to that, where the enemy rides in on a truth and then adds a lie to it. He comes in on a truth and then adds a lie to it. And you look at the temptation of Jesus. He actually quoted some things to Jesus that were true, all the while challenging his his identity, but then twisted it. And he did the same with Adam and Eve. It's his tactic. He rides in on a truth and then adds a lie to it, a distortion to it. A stronghold is built by thought and by speech to divert the mind from honouring God and His Word and His promises. For better or for worse, the life we have is a reflection of the thoughts that we think. The enemy tries to shape our thinking. One distortion, one lie, one exaggeration, one misrepresentation at a time. And here's the thing, and I hope this really settles in our thinking in terms of we've got to fight this battle. There is a conflict between God's truth to you and Satan lies about you. There will be a conflict in your mind, in my mind, in our minds about God's truth to us and Satan lies about us. You cannot live a positive overcoming life with a negative mindset. And we're in this battle all the time. And I think for many of us, COVID exacerbated that because we had more time with our thoughts, less to do. 
And while one or two may have thrived in that, others found themselves kind of caught up in the circle and the cycle of negativity because of the things that went on in your heart and mind. We know right now in around the world, the escalation in mental health issues. It's reported the whole time. And sometimes some of the facts aren't reported, the increase in the suicide rate, etc. And I'm saying if you're struggling with that kind of thought, you need to reach out to somebody. You need to get help. We support Beyond Blue and a few, a number of other things. There are people who can help you. Yeah, we'll do what we can, but there's professionals that can help you as well. Encourage you to reach out. Because your life and mine will move in the direction of our strongest thoughts. And I want to ask you this question, and I hope it sticks around. I hope it nags at you. I hope the Holy Spirit gets on top of this. This question of what are your thoughts talking to you about most of the time? What are your thoughts saying to you? And behind them, what is the enemy whispering and distorting and exaggerating because Jesus said he's a liar. There is no truth in him. That whisper doesn't have truth in it. Proverbs 23 verse 7 says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. And here's the thing where some of us get trapped at, get caught up in, is that actually our thoughts are lazy. Unless you challenge them, they take the path of least resistance. And that's why in this passage of incredible wisdom and insight, the Apostle Paul says, when you've got these high thoughts, when you've got this logismus, this argument of reason, when the enemy is trying to build a stronghold, you need to take every thought captive to the obedience of Jesus. Because if you let it be there, it will just keep drifting because unless you choose to fight, nothing's going to happen. No matter how much you love God, we're not talking about your salvation. And if you haven't taken that step of faith by putting your trust in Jesus, you will be given an opportunity today with an online here in the auditorium. But our thoughts are lazy. They take the path of least resistance. And then your brain begins to create pathways. One of the things, and I have mentioned this before, and some of you still ignore it. <laughs> I can't stand it. Whether, and Linda will testify to this. Uh, whether we're going for a walk around our suburb or moving from the car park, to, that people don't use pathways that cut across the grass. Like, it astonishes me when I watch people who are going to exercise for a walk and take shortcuts. Like, it just, hello. And when they walk across the grass taking shortcuts while they're going on a walk to exercise, what do they do? They create a furrow if enough people do it and they seem to take those shortcuts. And that's the kind of picture that goes on in your brain when you get off God's narrow way and you create shortcuts in your thinking. But if you start taking the pathway of righteousness, of right thinking, of declaring God's promises, the grass begins to grow again where there was that shortcut and the stronghold that was beginning to be built there begins to be demolished. I'm watching you. 
Psalm 1, blessed is the man, the woman who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. We've got a lot of that going on, ungodly counsel. Nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But here's the key. But his, her delight is in the law of the Lord. What does God say about this? And on his law, he meditates. There it is, day and night. And if you do that, you'll be like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. And its leaf does not wither. And all that you do prospers. There's the challenge. That if you want to finish this year well and set up next year, you've got to challenge your thinking. You've got to get involved in the war. You've got to, what the Bible says, renew your mind. Change your thinking and you'll change your life. That's what Paul in Romans 12 verse 2 says. Do not copy the behaviour and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. There's so much in that passage. And science tells us that we can rewire our brains that you can reject negative thinking and replace it with other things. It's a whole thing called neuroplasticity, which I'm going to just mention that and move right on. Because <laughs> there's a whole lot of information around it, of the ability to rewire your brain. What Paul said in Romans is proven by science and psychology today. And I love that. What settles in your mind will come out in your life. So you've got to wage war. And I'm going to read again 2 Corinthians 10, but include verse 3 to 5. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Can everybody say wage war? Wage war. We do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. I'm prophesying that, I'm declaring that, that through God's Word and by His Spirit, there is power to demolish strongholds of fear, of negativity, of inferiority. But you've got to wage war. We fight, He says. We're not passive about this. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient in Christ. I want you to notice, I asked you to repeat it, wage war, and then he says, we fight. And I want to urge you, and sometimes it's hard, because when you get caught up in a negative mindset and negative thought cycle, it's exhausting. And it almost feels easier to just drift with it than fight against it. But Paul says, we wage war, we fight. We don't just become passive. Because remember, our thoughts are lazy and they drift to the path of least resistance. So you've got to put some resistance in there when the enemy rides into your thinking on a truth and adds a lie and a distortion to it. But you're not doing it just in your own strength. There's divine power and the word power there is dunamos, from which we get our English word dynamite. 
And it's this explosive dynamic power to break through things. And again, I'm speaking that over us. I'm speaking that over those online watching in our online campus. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit. And in Acts 1 and verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The Word of God and the Spirit of God are your greatest friends, your greatest asset in waging war in the mindset that you need to demolish and bring into the obedience of Christ. And you need to get a hold of the Word and then say, Holy Spirit, come and make this alive and stir yourself up when it feels, because it's true, you, you get into it and you feel drained, sometimes dealing with the thoughts that you struggle with. And it's easier just to do nothing, drift into a pity party or whatever else. But he says, no, we wage war. You've got to fight on this. And so I want to give you just three things that'll help us. And they're all based out of this passage. Number one, identify the stronghold. Paul says in Ephesians 4.17, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. The futility of their minds. And there's something about acknowledging the stronghold. I'm not talking about empowering it. I'm not talking about agreeing with it. But just say, and if you're not sure, say, Holy Spirit, would you put your finger on the thing where the enemy has established some kind of stronghold or where he's trying to strengthen a stronghold? And let the Holy Spirit just quicken to you. And for many of us, there'll be some of the Predictable things. I don't say that in a trite way, but around identity, around ability, around giftedness, around being accepted. There are just certain things that are common to humanity, to all of us, that we struggle with at times. But rather than kind of doing a guessing game, saying, Holy Spirit, would you put your finger on it? Because the Bible refers to the Holy Spirit. Jesus referred to the Holy Spirit as the finger of God. Just the ability of the Holy Spirit to be very specific in our lives and say, this is it. This is what I want to deal with right now. This is the stronghold that's about to be demolished. But the other thing that I love about it, the Bible says that God delivered the children of Israel by the finger of God. And it was by the power of the Spirit. Just one flick and they gone. Just one flick, one touch of the Holy Spirit tied to the truth, the sword of God's Word, and there is breakthrough available to us. And then it's reinforced by claiming the promises, by speaking the character of God. If you can identify it, if you can name it, you can defeat it, is really the simple thing. What dominates your self-talk? That you're not good enough, that you'll never recover from a bad past decision, that God, after all that you've done, God can never use you or bless you. That you can't trust anybody because there's been pain through relationships. That somehow or other you're always going to struggle in life rather than walk in victory. And life is full of struggles. Let's not pretend it's just something else. That you're never going to be good enough or have enough and all of your relationships somehow are going to break down. And then we can go on and on. So you've got to identify the stronghold. But the second thing, remember you bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. You've got to identify the Jesus truth. 
There's a passage in Ephesians that speaks around this whole futility of the mind and then brings an answer that I just love a phrase there. Paul says in Ephesians 4.20 and then going on to 21, but that is not the way you learned Christ. Now, once you notice, he doesn't say it's not the way you learned about Christ because if it's about Christ, then Christ is just an historical figure. You can only learn about people that you can't have a relationship. But if you learn somebody, then you're in a relationship with them. I have learned Linda. I have learned Deborah. Pray for me. (laughs) They're a great blessing in my life. But I've learned, and I'm going to just speak to the beloved over there. What she likes, walks, going shopping for women's events. (laughs) I'm not only the speaker, I'm the shopper, ladies. Make sure you're here on Tuesday night. (laughs) I have put a lot of effort into this. (laughs) I'm just trying to use something in that. But you learn things. I have learned what irritates her. I haven't always changed my behaviour, but I have learned. (laughs) Come on, you know what I'm saying? You can only learn a person that you're in a relationship. If they're gone, you learn about them. And what he's saying, Christ is present. Christ is resurrected. Christ has overcome. And he's the key to you overcoming. You've got to learn Jesus in the middle of the battle. Assuming that you've heard from him. He's been a little bit sarcastic there. And we're taught in him. And here's the phrase, as the truth is in Jesus. I've got to keep going here, but I, I want to just tell you one of the things that in our modern conversation just drives me up the wall is the phrase, well, my truth. My truth. And I get often what people are saying. But I wish they'd rather say, well, my experience and my perspective on this. But the minute you say my truth, who do you think you are? Have you suddenly become God, all-knowing, all-wise, that truth is absolute to you? Do you get the point that I'm making? That's what irritates me, my truth. And suddenly, well, if it's your truth, you can't learn anything. You can't change. You can't be challenged. But if you say, I want to know the truth as it is in Jesus, in terms of my experience, in terms of the things that I've gone through, then there's opportunity for change, for transformation, because it's not about your truth. It's actually about the truth as it is in Jesus. And coming to the strongholds. And coming to the stronghold, if you want to break that stronghold, find the truth, the promise as it is in Jesus, what God says about you, what Christ accomplished for you. We've got to learn Jesus in these situations. And for that to happen, you have to have a personal relationship, which leads me to the third thing. Number one, identify the stronghold. Identify the truth as it is in Jesus and then confess the truth. You've got to engage your mouth to change your thinking. Jesus said, John 8, 31 and following, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. If you hold to my teaching, you will know the truth 
and then the truth will set you free. You see, I think sometimes we kind of think, oh, if I just hear the truth, it'll set me free. No, no, you've got to hold on to it. You've got to hold it and say, this truth about my life, my circumstance is greater than the logismos that the enemy has prepared against me. It's greater than the stronghold that he has sought to establish. The truth as it is in Jesus, that's the truth that sets us free. Can't just know the truth, you've got to use the truth. Take in every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. The word captive there, um, the, the, the landing this plane, it's not a jet style plane, it's on time. <laughs> and uh, the, the, the word captive there is to, means literally in the original Greek, to take captive by sword or by spear. So in other words, it's holding a sword and I'm saying, do you surrender? Otherwise I'm gonna use the sword. It's that's the picture, because remember, it's a battle concept that Paul is talking here. Not fighting people. We're not running around threatening people with swords or anything else. We're talking about the thoughts. You take the sword, and what is the sword? We take the sword of the Spirit, Paul says in Ephesians, which is the Word of God. You take the sword, and by the sword, the promise of God, the character of God, the, the truth that is found in Jesus, you take captive that negative thing that the enemy has spoken of your like and sought to establish in your thinking. Hebrews 3 and verse 1. Therefore, holy brothers, sisters, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus. See, it all comes back to Him. Consider Jesus. The apostle and high priest of our confession. A priest always brings something to God, acting on behalf of people. And Jesus as the high priest says, bring me your confession, the truth that you find in me, the truth that you find in God's promises, the truth that you find in the character of God as He works things out in your life. Bring that to me and I'll multiply it and it'll become a powerful thing to set you free. 